0: When I was in fifth grade, fifth grade, I had a crush on Heather Brumpton. She was it. She was blonde hair. She was cute, and she was. What's the other characteristic in fifth grade? Smart. Nope. Not tall than you. Nope. There it is. She was fast. We got that. Am I right? That's huge, right? you want the girl that can run with the guys that's just the way it was she was fast and i wanted to ask her out um, because i liked her but i didn't know how or what to do it was super awkward because some of the other guys in my class had girlfriends and i remember thinking oh i guess i want to have a girlfriend too so one day i did what you know, it was logical. I took out a small piece of paper and I wrote, will you go out with me and made three little boxes? Yes, no, maybe. I folded it in half and I sent it down the row and it went through a bunch of people and then it finally landed in Heather Brumpton's lap and she opened it up and I kind of looked over and she marked something, folded it back up and it came back down to my hands, opened it up and it said,
1: said, yes. <laughs> there it
0: was, first girlfriend right there. Heart was pounding, I was so excited. And then, I gave her my calculator watch. You don't know. you don't have those. Anymore, you know. It was a watch that just had a bunch of buttons on it, that's what was cool back then. I know as crazy as that sounds, crazy. I, I am dating myself, that's okay. And then after that, I never talked to her again because I was terrified, I didn't know what to say. So for three months, we were boyfriend and girlfriend, but never said a word to each other. And at some point I wanted my watch back because I didn't understand what was going on. And so I broke up with her and I asked her for my watch back and she ran off crying. And I got a bunch of dirty looks from the other girls and I realized, This relationship thing's a lot harder than I thought. I had no idea what was going on. Crazy, right? Does anybody else have a story like that? You don't have to share it, but like, weird, okay. Yeah, exactly, It's good. Uh, What about the story um, about when Tracy and I, my wife and I worked in a really nice restaurant in Malibu, and people would get engaged there all the time because it was right up on the water, dolphins going by, sun setting, just beautiful. And so this guy came in early and he had it all set up. Okay, when I get up from the table and get down on my knee, then the whole serving staff is gonna swarm. This guy's coming with flowers, this guy's got the carafe of ice in it, the other guy's got the bottle of champagne, the other person puts the cups down, and all this is gonna go, super exciting for this engagement. And so he gets in there, and everybody's kinda standing up, the whole place knew what was going on, and we're all looking down, watching, ready to jump in there, and he gets down on one knee, and he looks up at her, and she's like doing something else in her purse. And she looks over and sees him, and she just goes like this. Oh. And she pulls him back and puts him in the chair. We're all kind of like,
1: "Okay." <laughs> and,
0: and again, I realize relationships are difficult. But what about the dentist in Poland who was recently dumped by her boyfriend? Okay, and uh, she he asked her for help just a few weeks after the breakup and she said I tried to be professional detach myself from my emotions but when I saw him lying there in the dentist chair I just thought what a jerk and so she then gave him a massive amount of anesthetic and coldly pulled out his teeth one by one he said I knew something was wrong because when I woke up I couldn't feel any teeth and my jaw was strapped up with bandages So I read, but then I snuffed it. It's not true. But anyway, that's a crazy crazy story, isn't it? Because somebody thought about that, doing that, but it's not true. But anyway, relationships, they're crazy, aren't they? They're just different. And every one of us in this room has some kind of a story that's embarrassing or really sad or heartbreaking about our relationships. And I'm talking specifically about a romantic relationship with the opposite sex. But as we dive into this series, let me just give you a few opening thoughts. Okay, a few opening thoughts just to get us in. And tonight, really, all we're going to do is kind of kind of crack the egg and just, just, you know, get the ball rolling a little bit. Is that fair? I'm not going to take you deep into the scripture like we normally do through a particular passage. We're just going to kind of look around and pull some biblical principles together and give us a little bit of a thought on relationships. So these are just kind of like opening thoughts, precursors. First is this. Open admission. I am not an expert in relationships. Okay? I'm not. Uh, I'm a good example of doing things the wrong way. There she is, there she is. I was waiting for an amen from back there, but it didn't come. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, and Tracy can tell you about those afterwards if you wanna ask her, but I will say this. I know what the Word of God says, and I wanna bring balance to personal experience along with the Word of God. You put those two things together and you have something that's called wisdom, right? it's it's wisdom is understanding how the Bible applies to life in whatever particular area you're talking about and I've been around a lot longer than you and I'd like to help you as you seek to try to please God in different areas of your life well we need to see what he says in his word and I I want to help you with that process even though I'm not perfect in this okay and I will just say one more thing I'm really glad to be on this side of marriage all right So we'll talk about that more in the future, but uh, that's number one number two This is for everyone this message is for everyone you thinking I don't like anybody everybody in this room is ugly I don't really think I want to you know date anybody around. I'm not interested in relationships I got other things. I'm focused on right now, right? You're too good for relationships or You already know too much or whatever. No, I don't think so Whether or not you're into relationships or thinking about one or already dating somebody You need to hear what we have to say. Um, You study for your tests, right? Okay, most of you do. Uh, You practice your instrument, I think, right? You go to the gym to work out to get stronger. You practice for your sport. And so my point is you prepare for the future. You prepare for those opportunities as they come. The same is true in a relationship, right? To look ahead and be prepared for what the Lord will bring. Some of you have been hurt badly. Some of you have no idea what to do on the opposite side So you've been hurt badly and you're like, I'm done, okay? This hurts too much. I don't care about guys anymore, because they're all jerks. Um, And you have some experience there. Some of you have, on the opposite side, are like, I don't know what to do when she comes in the room. My tongue quells up, my hand get bloody, and I just go, hi! It's like so awkward, right? And uh, I don't know how to help you. I'm sorry. but I will say, then it's good to work into this. And whether and whether there's pain in your past, which is okay, and we can help work through that, or whether there's just a kind of embarrassment, that's okay, this is a good place to be. This is for everyone to see what God would say about what your relationships are supposed to look like. Um, some of you are gonna be married very soon. Crazy to think about. And some of you are gonna be married in a long, long time, hopefully, from now, right? Um, but this is good for both sides of that. Now, third thought. I'm not an expert, this is for everyone. The third thought is that I am not your father and I am not the Holy Spirit, okay? So, for me to come in and tell you, you need to do this and you need to do that, but I'm not your dad, okay? I don't have that kind of authority, even though I'm old enough to be most of your fathers at this point, point. Um, and I'm also not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit with divine wisdom. So, so here's, let me, let me say it a different way. When you come in, Um, Don't look for license. Well, Sean said it's okay. So don't be listening thinking I'm I'm looking just for an edge and he said that and you claim that and go for it, all right? That's the one side of it. Don't look for license in this. And the second side is don't look for legalism because that's like, hey, Sean gave me a rule. I'm going to follow it. He said, I can't do this within this amount of time, or I need to go on four dates, or I need to have this kind of a plan. And you get very much like, I'm going to follow the rules like a robot. That's not how relationships work and how God wants it. But those are the two lines. You've got the line of legalism, the line of, um, of license, and you've got to be careful that you stay in the middle of those things. So I'm not your father, I'm not the Holy Spirit. And then, and then next, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask each of you right now, when you come in, to come with an open heart, an open and a humble heart. So you might think you obviously don't know who you're talking to because I got it figured out. You know, everybody in high school and last even the last couple of years, they, they come to me when they've got problems because, you know, I just I just know women. I just I just got, I got it. So I help. Um, and some of you are thinking right now, what do you know about dating, old man? I mean you've been married for nineteen years. How do you remember even what was going on before some of you were born and I was dating Tracy? That's crazy. Um, that's okay. If you come with this attitude, that's not even Greg Baird. That's a different, that ice cream truck lives down the street. It's like three doors down. And when I saw that coming last night, I was like, oh man, this is going to be a turf war. <laughs> but that's okay. You don't sell ice cream, I found out, in the place you live. They go out somewhere else. Isn't that funny? It's, a, it's like the ice cream man's code. Anyway, um, but if you come with that kind of an attitude, like I got this, I don't need this. Um, then the series is pointless. We want to come humbly to God to see what he says about relationships and, and Listen, we want to change to adhere to that standard It would be a great joy for me as we put this series together and come week in a week out to see Many of you in this room fall in love with each other I would love that I would love to do some weddings right here under this branch in this very house and perform a Mariage right here. It could happen, okay? It would be awesome to see that happen. It has happened before. Am I right, George? There we go. I told George, George came in here on staff, and I go, we don't, we don't let our staff guys, you know, try to pick off college girls. But I said, George, you're the exception. Go find one. And where are you, Michelle? They're right there. That's it. That's fantastic. OK. So I would love to see that happen here. Last but not least. I want to encourage you. We've got five messages. Try not to miss them. They'll be up online if you do, but um, everything's going to build off of itself, so it'd be good if you got your for each one of those, okay? So here's the question. I'm just going to answer three questions tonight. You're a Christian who's interested in the opposite sex, in dating, and in marriage, so where should I go? With Question number one in this. This is not really a lot of outlining if you're a note taker, but you can. Question number one are what are my options, okay? Yes, I like guys, and yes, I'd like to be married someday. Or yes, I like girls, and yes, I'd like to be married someday. What are my options? Well, let's just just walk through this. Number one, uh, you could go to the animal kingdom, okay? And you could look at how the animal kingdom does relationships. So the Bowerbird, not like the Chris Bowerbird, this is B-O-W-E-R, okay? To attract a mate, the male Bowerbird builds this amazingly complex structure made from twigs, And it's often shaped like a small hut, okay? Decorated with um, a variety of objects as gifts for the mate flowers, feathers, stones, and even discarded plastic and glass to give it some color. Um, Hundreds of pieces are carefully arranged all around, the same colors are put together. Okay? Oh, there's been a baby born, Jesse Dodson. Seven forty-seven. See, it shouldn't be able to come through while I'm preaching, but it just did. We got a picture. Let's just see. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, nothing. Okay. All right. Congratulations. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So now this is what's crazy. The only reason that the male bowerbird will break its focus on creating its beautiful hut for its pr- prospective mate is to go to another male bowerbird's hut and destroy it, and then come quickly back to his own. I think that's pretty cool. So you can do that, gentlemen. You can see what's going on, get out there, mess the guy up, and get right back into your turf going after it, Okay? Or you could be like the emperor penguin. They spend their lives, male and female, completely apart from each other. These are the big ones from what's the movie called? Yeah, that one. And, And so they meet together once a year in late March, They travel as far as 70 miles to get to the breeding site, which doesn't sound very far, except for if you walk like this, it takes (laughs) a long time, right? Um, But once they're there, the penguins look for their mates by by making a bugling call. And the male penguins generally stay in one place, and they call out to the females, and once the egg is laid, the female penguin immediately goes out to the ocean to eat, right? I don't know why, but she goes out to feed, and the male just stands there for like two months with no food, no water, in the freezing cold. So it's like a bunch of dudes gathered around like, well, like, what we... alright, I guess we're just here, like hanging out on top of their eggs, right? And they huddle together in large groups to conserve body heat, and they just stand there. The winds are 120 miles an hour, and then finally the woman comes back from Gallivate like the ladies' night, right? She comes back, and she finds her mate, and by then the little chick, uh, by listening to the particular bugle call of the male and with thousands of birds, finds her mate. So maybe, um, gentlemen, you could just make that call and the ladies will come in.
1: <laughs>
0: Dating, okay, in the animal kingdom can be dangerous for some males. Um, you have the praying mantis and the male black widow, okay? They are often eaten after the mating process, right? In some species of the praying mantis, the male's head is actually removed from his body in order to complete the copulation process. So that's not a good place to be. <laughs> but that's the animal kingdom. Okay. All right. So maybe we'll go to the animal kingdom. Let's go down a cultural example. Let's what different places in the world, what goes on. So Cameroon, where is that? Mm, That's embarrassing. You should look it it up. Look it up. South America. (laughs) Hey Siri, where's Cameroon? (laughs) She thinks it's Camarillo, okay, forget her. We know where where Camarillo is. Seth's got it. Okay, wedding. The Cameroon wedding is arranged by the family. Um, The family of the daughter sets this up, okay? The bride has a price that's named, something between $100 and $200, and the family goes to an interested man and basically negotiates with him until they get the highest price for themselves, and then they give the daughter away. Okay, that's cool. Uh, India. The parents negotiate a fixed marriage without the input of their kids. So this is like John Stead and I, we've talked for years about Zoe marrying Jackson. And so it may happen without either one of them being part of that. Um, But it's changing over time, right? You go to Kiev, Kiev is up in Russia, it's basically the same as here. 99%, however, of all couples that get married live with their parents without a honeymoon for five to 15 years. That'd be kind of cool, huh? You missed it. you got to move on. Okay, We could look at Hollywood. We could look at Hollywood to see how we, should, how we should get together. You could look at Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. That's working out well. You could look at uh, Kim Kardashian before Kanye West. She was married to Chris Humphries um, from the Clippers for how long? 72 days. Yeah, crazy. Paul McCartney got divorced. Cost him fifty million million, one One of the Beatles, and he said it was the best $50 million he ever spent. Uh, Mel Gibson lost half of his $850 million fortune when he got divorced. Or you think about Morgan Freeman, and he's in his late 70s with his late 20-year-old granddaughter. Some crazy weird stuff going on there. But Hollywood is screwed up. Would you agree in terms of relationships? I just call out a couple that have been in the news in recent days. What about, okay, so forget about culture. Forget about... Um, Hollywood forget the animal kingdom let's look at the Bible and see what does the Bible have to say right you, you know what I'm saying let's look let's look at the Word of God so let's talk about Esther and King Ahasuerus this king has a beauty contest in which the selected women they went around and found the prettiest women in the entire country and they were pampered and beautified for a solid 12 months and then they were paraded before him like a Miss USA pageant um, and he got to choose one Whoever was the prettiest, Esther, won that contest and became queen. So ladies, you go away for a year, okay? Beautify, pamper, whatever that, doll yourselves up, and then come back and we'll have you parade through the house and the guys will pick who they like the best for each one. That's, That's weird, isn't it? Okay, all right, fine. How about Ruth and Boaz? How about this one? Ruth went to where Boaz worked, uncovered his feet, and went to sleep. So he gets cold in the middle of the night and reaches down to grab the blanket because he's like, Why, where's my blanket? And he finds Ruth down there, right? And they get married. So ladies, go to the house of a guy you like.
1: <laughs>
0: Uncover his feet, lay down by his feet. When he wakes up, maybe you get married. I mean, it can work, right? How about Isaac and Rebekah? The servant of Abraham um, goes and he's looking for a wife for Isaac. So he decides... To offer, um, whoever offers his camels a drink will be the one. So here comes, um, here comes Rebecca, and she offers the camel a drink, and he goes, she's the one. We don't have camels today, but maybe you could go down to the gas station and just wait around for a girl to put gas in your car. and I don't know. <laughs> How about Ra- Jacob, Rachel, and Leah? Guys, you go to the father of the girl that you think has the right stuff and say, you give her to me, I'll give you seven years of work. Just barter for that. Like, Might be worth it, you know what I mean? You could get that done right now, seven years in. Or, okay, last but not least, biblical examples, Adam and Eve, okay? Guys go to sleep, and maybe you wake up, you're missing a rib, but you have a wife, okay? I don't know, could
1: happen.
0: What's the point? The point is, is that no matter where you look, whether it's in the animal kingdom, or in Hollywood, or in our culture, or even in the Bible, there is not a model given that shows how romantic relationships are designed to come together. What about Solomon? There's a good example. 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's great. Or how about on the other side, you got Paul, who said, it's better for you to remain as I am, single, like the ultimate single guy. So like, what is the Bible telling us, right? Because we're all over the map with this. <clears throat> well, here's the point. You cannot look at dating or courting Or betrothal or any other model and say that this is the biblical way of relationships okay let me say it plainly the Bible is strangely silent on the topic of how guys and girls are to connect in a romantic relationship the reason you've never seen it in the pages of Scripture you know why it ain't there people it's not Dating is not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible doesn't ever speak of a specific method of how to find a spouse. But even today, many in the Christian world have gotten this wrong. I read a book when I was preparing for this um, series about relationships. This is actually a while ago. But it gave three characteristics that you should pursue in a member of the opposite sex. Number one, a Christian. That's pretty good. I'd I'd go with that. Okay. Number two, a non-smoker. Okay. All right, smoke if you got them, but if not, maybe date them, okay? And then number three, number three, no sex, okay? So those are three good things, but really, you wrote wrote an entire book. I bought that book to read that. I mean, give me a break. It's crazy, right? So the question remains, that was number one. Number two, what do I do now, okay? So I forget what question number one was. What are my options? Question number two, what do I do now? So dating's not in the Bible, uh, and we now know that God has not prescribed any method to find a mate, so... What do I do? Because I like girls. Guys are thinking, or I like guys. I that's there's a lot of married people out there. I, I think that I want to get there at some point, right? What do I do? How do I proceed? Let me just give you some overarching principles to kind of get us going here. The first is this relationships are not about the process that you use. They're about, listen, the person that you are. Okay? It's not about the process that you use, it's about the person that you are. And in the covering weeks, we're gonna uncover what that means. Because God has not given you, and nor is he concerned about a list of rules and do's and don'ts. He's concerned about your heart. Mm -hmm. We're so desperate for programs, right? Ten steps to get a guy. You walk down the aisle, and you look at that magazine rack, and you're like, oh, am I dateable? I don't know. You find out. Open to page 72. Ten questions. Do you like to do, and you're like, well, I have seven out of ten, so I'm partially datable. Like what does that mean? It doesn't It's the dumbest thing ever, right? Uh, you want somebody to tell you, just tell me what to do? Should I ask her out? Should I break up with him? Just tell me what to do? No. Um, the Bible doesn't give you that. It tells you who God wants you to be, okay? And the character qualities then to pursue in a potential mate. So that's the first thing. It's not the process you use. It's the person you are. secondly, I just want to say it, outright. The world's system is broken, okay? The system, the dating system around you is not working. It doesn't work. It's broken. 40 to 50 percent of all marriages in this country end in divorce. I don't need a show of hands. I would guess the number's probably pretty close to that in this room, okay? And that's just the the nature inside and outside the church. Divorce is prevalent. One-third of all births in the U.S. are to unmarried women, And 60% of today's teenagers will grow up in a single-parent home. Do you know what that says to me? It says to me that the system's busted, okay? It's producing broken relationships, and then broken marriages, and eventually broken people. Uh, Today's dating world is filled with shallowness, focused on emotion, and physical pleasure. And if you're gonna buy into the world system that you have to have a boyfriend, that you need to hold his hand, get exclusive, spend a ton of alone time together, pull out of your friendships, pull out of church, ignore the counsel of your parents and your friends and your staff people, get physical, And, and none of that is in the pursuit of marriage, you're just going to have a good time, it's just because that's what you're supposed to do when you're in college, everyone else is doing it, then you're opening yourself up for potential danger, okay? That, you gotta be cautious, and so I'm just telling you out of the gate, the system as you know around you is broken. Okay, the third thing here is the purpose of dating The purpose of dating, listen carefully, is to prepare for marriage. The reason that we have romantic relationships is to get ready for the ultimate relationship that you'll be in for the rest of your life. That's why dating exists. There is no romantic relationship in the Bible that is not either in the context of marriage or right on its way into the context of marriage. You get that? It's all happening in that Context. So, the chief reason to have an exclusive romantic relationship with the opposite sex is for the express purpose of pursuing marriage so if you're thinking you know what I just want to have fun and get to know some girls and I want to see what type of person I like and I'm, I'm 19 years old and I'm gonna get married when I'm 32 when I finally can afford to get out of my parents house then uh, because at that point I probably will finish the video game I'm working on now and I'll probably get a job then and I'll be able to support myself at least probably to live with a roommate somewhere else then I'll think about it so in the meantime I'm just gonna date I'm not even laughing. That's okay. So it's like, um, it's like, ouch! That kind of was a little too close to home, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's all right. A little close. Um, hey, if 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 you're thinking I will not be ready to marry somebody for five years, then I would tell you you're not ready to date that person today because I don't know, and I'm jumping ahead a couple weeks here, but I don't know how you think you're going to be able to get into an exclusive relationship with that girl who you think is beautiful, and frankly, to keep your hands off of her. How, how are you going to last for five years in purity before the Lord, up, upholding her purity and your own, when you're going to be in that kind of a context? I say it again, the system's broken. It pushes you together in a way where you're going to fail. And so so the simple principle is that if you're not in a dating relationship with the express purpose of coming into marriage together and moving down that pathway, then you're going to be in trouble. All right. I'm just putting it out there now. We're all flesh and blood. We understand how we're built and what happens there. And purity is a big part of this. But ultimately, ultimately, you want to be pursuing marriage in that relationship. Now, any other reason, listen carefully, any other reason that you come up with, well, Sean, I don't think you understand how I work, okay? Because I think I can do it, and any other reason that you've got to be involved romantically with somebody of the opposite sex can be answered by a spiritual friendship with someone of the same sex. So you give me whatever that reason is in your mind about why you think you need to be exclusive with her or why you need to go off with him, and I guarantee you I can tell you and fill that with Mark for straight if you're a guy, okay? Right here, buddy, you can do it. All right, that's fine. Virgastrati's awesome, but that's not the point of this. Uh, Because if you're lonely, watch this. You don't need a guy to fill that, ladies. You need a friend, okay? If you need accountability, it's not really wise for that guy and girl to sit down in that really deep spiritual conversation where you're sharing all of that, no. No, 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 you need an accountability partner. Get a D group get a staff person, get somebody the same sex to talk with. If you're bored on a Saturday night, come on over here. Okay, we're watching some movie that's rated G and uh, we're hanging out and making cookies doing all sorts of fun stuff, okay? If that's not good enough for you, then the Ovilus house is always open to dance, okay? So, I'm just saying, if you need something to do, you don't need to go exclusive with that person. There's stuff to do in the context of the church, and you're going to hear a revolving theme over the series that the reason that dating is not written into the Bible is because it's assumed that romantic relationships are happening in the context of the local church. Natural relationships forming in the context of service and fellowship and being together in worship things happen We'll get there best place to find a girl number one. Anybody want to guess? Church. Okay, church. all right. I'll give you church. Sorry. I said that number two. What's number two?
1: <laughs> okay, no, I'm looking for specific answers not youth group, but that's close
0: Anybody wow. No, it happens all the time
1: Missions. Yes, it's
0: missions Come on. Come on
1: You got eight weeks Am I right? <laughs> wait. Oh, wait.
0: Terrell. Terrell. Where's Terrell? Where is he? I forgot. He's got a girlfriend. Terrell. We're back to our theme. Okay. From camp. Terrell's going on missions for eight weeks. He's going to find an Albanian lady. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're, going to come from, we're coming back to this. But can I just say it again? It's not in the Bible, but if you want to know how to find somebody? Go serve in the church. Sign up for Children's and ask a couple girls in there. Like, Guys, let me just give you a little secret, okay? You can get three ladies and say this. Hey, in two Sundays from now, I'm gonna be serving with the three to four year olds. It's a perfect place to be, guys. Little kids, you could be like, yeah. yeah. Would you be interested in serving with me? come on, they'll never figure it out that you've got an interest in them, it's fantastic. Ah, I just gave it away. No, in the context of ministry and in the church, these things happen. But let me go back to the main point because I'm getting way off, There's not, this is not in anywhere in my notes. Um, any other reason that you come up with to get involved romantically other than for the express purpose of marriage can be answered by a spiritual friendship with someone of the same sex, okay? So we'll just leave that one there. Okay, question number three. Where is my thinking wrong? Where is my thinking wrong? I'd just like to correct a couple of errors maybe that you have, and this is the last little point, but it's a long one, but I'll move through pretty quickly. Okay, where is my thinking wrong? First is this. You might think this, and I'd say this is wrong. I need a boyfriend or a girlfriend to be happy. Really, you think so? I don't think so. The Bible's pretty clear. True happiness, long-lasting peace, and satisfaction are not found in human relationships, but in a relationship with God alone. He made you. He knows you. He alone can fill you up. You can search this whole world over trying to find pleasure, satisfaction, and fulfillment, and you may find it for a time in the pleasures of this world, but ultimately, God alone satisfies. David said in Psalm 1611, In your presence is fullness of joy and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. God alone gives true lasting joy. Ladies, this is especially for you because many of you struggle with loneliness and acceptance and and a desire for security and for attention And and you feel that if only you're able to be held in the arms of another, you would be made whole. And so you feel this need for a boyfriend and I'm telling you that it's simply not true. Yes, it's great to have that physical connection, But I would encourage you to let this go and allow Christ to fill that hole. He is sufficient. He is all you need. He is enough. To put a boy in that role that Christ should fill, you will only be disappointed. It will only hurt you long-term when he doesn't provide you the happiness that you expected. Matthew 6.33, this is a theme verse of dating. I'll tell you why in a minute. He says this, but seek first his kingdom. Yeah, you can't say that doesn't mean relate. No, no, no. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's the simple command. All these things will be added to you. He's talking about food and clothing and shelter. All the basic necessities, your father knows what you need, he will give them to you. And then he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day, this is a theme verse of dating, has enough trouble of its own. Okay? Do you believe this? Do you believe that if you pursue God first, that he will take care of the needs that you have and ultimately satisfy you in a way that honors him? Are you trusting God? Are you worried about tomorrow? Are you doubting his perfect plan for you? I think we do that, guys and girls alike. We think, I don't know when she's going to come. I don't know if he's ever going to be here. I feel like I've been waiting forever. There's no cute guys here. There's nobody that loves Christ. Everybody here is weird. I don't know what to do, right? And <laughs> you just go on and on and on, spiraling down. And so I'd like to give you just a quick example of a friend of mine um, who Tracy and I met when she was 25. And we watched as no guy showed interest in her for 15 years, right? She never really dated. She didn't ever have a boyfriend. She didn't have many options. And she went from 25 to 30 to 35 to 40 and still nothing. Now a few of the things that you need to know about her, she is one of the best staff people that I've ever seen. Served in high school ministry, junior high ministry, college ministry, she gave all of herself to her girls across many, many years, emptying herself out in selfless service. She's an absolute amazing saint, godly and awesome, and she's beautiful, and she's funny, and she's got a great personality, and she owns her own condo, and she's got a good job. She's not like, you know, on welfare or whatever. She's great. Her name, you know who she is, Nikki, Nikki Richardson, now Nikki Beezy, because there you are in this tough spot trying to trust guys, it's been 15 years, what am I doing in this dead-end town? And then Thomas Beasy comes around, right? And the dude's a stud. And the Lord just drops him in at FBC out of nowhere. And he's handsome. And he's smart. And he knows more about the stock market than I do. And he's, he's a, a, a really good dude, and they connect. And then I got the privilege of marrying them two years ago. And they've got a baby, and it's the coolest thing. Because Nikki, I believe this, sought God first, put his kingdom first, trusted him, not worrying, not perfectly, but waited on God. And God gave her the fulfillment of that desire in his right timing. So back to the point, you think you need a boyfriend, you need a girlfriend? I don't think so. You need to trust Christ. You need to come under his mighty hand, know that his way for you is perfect, and his plan for you is good, right? We could say secondly, by the way, I danced at their wedding, okay? Because we sat in, we sat at the table, and DJ got up, and he goes, okay, the song is going, and all the guys need to pass this... Um, napkin around. There's one like, blue napkin. And then the music stopped and I was holding it. Okay, if you've got the blue napkin, get up to the front! And then there I am standing in the front and we're like six of us in front of 300 people and he's telling me about washing the dog and so you're doing I mean it's just a stupid Never again. I would only do it for Nikki because I love her so much. Okay, number two on this. Not only, you don't need a boyfriend or girlfriend God will suffice and be enough second you might think wrongly think where's my thinking wrong is the name of our point that the bible is anti-sex anti-fun and anti-pleasure like everything I always hear in this room is about what I can't do it's always about these rules and regulations the bible's so restrictive on my fun and my just the world that I want to live in and this is the assumption that most people make about Christianity that the bible is nowhere near as fun as what the world has to offer
1: and guess what hey look up
0: it's true Okay? Yeah. Did I just say that? Yeah. Go out there and you're gonna have a blast. Okay? Enjoying the pleasures of this world. But listen carefully. The satisfaction is short-lived, and listen again, it comes with a high price. A high price. Some of you understand that because of the scars that have been left from previous experiences. Some of you will understand that in the future because it will claim your soul and you'll remember even this message from the throes of eternity in hell wondering why didn't I listen? It seemed so important at the time, like that bowl of soup for Esau, he gave away his entire inheritance for a single meal. What fool! And you'd give away your soul for a short-lived pleasure. Crazy. Anyway, you look at the Bible, those sitting in church, all the nice modest clothes, the boring potlucks, the, the ice cream truck that drives around with a funny guy in there with a big smile on his face. He was so happy to be out there. Um, I went to one of my neighbors, by the way, and he goes, Oh, not interested. I go, We're giving away free ice cream. I don't care. You're, you're 17. Like, you're, you're still in high school. How do you not? All right, we don't do that here. And he shut the door in my face. I'm like, that guy it might as well be 75 years old. <laughs> 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 really the I'm like, this is ridiculous. He had a dog behind him, I'm like, ah, get back there kids. I'm like, what is going on here, he's 17, anyway. Okay, but, but there you are, and you're looking around, right? You're looking around what the world has to offer, what your friends are doing, what they're wearing, how they talk, what movies they're seeing. They don't seem to care or experience any consequences in their life, they're just free to do what they want, and you're jealous. They're drinking, they're hooking up, they're partying, and it looks so good, and it has such a high appeal to your flesh. Am I right? That's how this goes. And so the question, is the Bible anti-sex, anti-fun, anti, anti, what was my third one? Um, Anti-pleasure, and the answer is no. Did you know that not only does God approve of sex, but that he literally invented sex, okay? Think about this for a minute. God made you and all of your body parts. All right, if you need a lesson on the anatomy of things, then you can go back to your seventh period, um, you know, what is that, that video, Nature of Life, yeah, the health class, yeah, it's just the worst thing ever. But anyway, um, God designed a man and a woman to come together and become one flesh. There's a sexual union in the very plan of God in Genesis with how he designed the bodies of men and women. Sex was designed by the mind of God then. And on top of all this, if you look closely at Genesis one twenty eight, the first command in the Bible, well, there's other commands, because God said, let there be light, just commands light into existence, but the first command to Adam and Eve, do you know what it is? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Do you know what that's a command for, if I'm reading my Bible correctly? That's a command to have sex, okay? God actually commands sex within the boundaries of marriage. So is the Bible anti-relationship, anti-sex? No. But it does lay down very specific ground rules about where that makes sense. Because as the designer, God knows that in this context, sex is safe and makes sense. In this context, it's very hurtful and dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, man, that's a beautiful fire in the fireplace. It's so warm and nice. But the fire comes in here and torches the entire house. Not good. You've got to keep the fire where it belongs. Am I right, honey? So that's a story. No, I'm just kidding. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. Whew. it's hot in here. Okay, next. <laughs> How about this one? I do not need help in my relationship. Or you could say I'm an expert in relationships. You're thinking right now, this is like a, a common thinking where I think you're wrong, where you think I don't need any help because I'm an expert. Can I, can I give you something tonight? None of you are experts in relationships, okay? I'm looking at all of you, every single person in this room, not an expert, okay? Not happening. How about Proverbs 15, 22? Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. You the simple simple realities that you need help. You do. And I don't know why in the area of relationships, all of a sudden you, you work really hard to hold those things private and not talk to others because either you're embarrassed or you're scared or whatever. And it's like, yeah, this work's going great. Yeah, church is going good. I'm reading my Bible every day. How's the relationship like? Oh, it's good, good, good. Okay, gotta go. And, you, and that's like, cut off, I don't understand that. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Yeah, seeking wise counsel is right there. Here it is, find someone you trust, okay, number one. Find someone who knows God, number two. Find someone who knows God's word, number three and then go, number four, and ask them for help. Okay? Not super complicated. If you're unwilling to do this, it gives two impressions to those around you. One is that you're a fool. That's what the Bible says, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So if you're unwilling, maybe you're a fool, or secondly, it's because you're hiding something. Okay? It is. I think so. Uh, You're fearful that the counsel that you're given after exposing what's going on in your relationship, ready, here it is, will shut down the relationship and and will alter what you're already doing and therefore you don't want to let people in. I tell guys this all the time when I disciple them, if we come into a relationship and we're going iron sharpening iron, two guys discipling accountability, and I find out that you've been withholding things about the relationship from me, are discipleship is over at that moment. I'm done, I'm not coming back. You know why? This is such a close area in all of our hearts. It is so important to us, relationships. And if you're unwilling to come to that disciple or that person and say, here's really what's happening in my heart, you're unwilling to do that, guess what? You're hiding something and you're fooling yourself because the thing is headed down a pathway towards trouble and you're saying, but I really don't want anybody else to know and you're kind of enjoying your sin and you're not seeing it quite rightly. And by the way, counsel from your friends,
1: uh-huh.
0: that's not counsel, okay? <laughs> it does, it's not. They're the same age as you. It, it's like the rat on the Titanic is giving advice to the other rat, all right? Both are in the same helpless situation and they're both drowning. They're not going to be able to help you. Just because he's been dating for three months longer than you doesn't mean he knows women, okay? It's, that's not the story. But you say, next, next uh, kind of... What's their category? Where's my thinking wrong? But I'm in love. I'm in love, so these things are okay, right? I'll tread very carefully here. Many of you believe that you're in love with the opposite sex. Uh, If you came to me today and you said, Sean, I am in love. I would tell you, no, I don't think so. You are in (laughs) lust. I'm Pretty sure you're in lusts. You're infatuated. Uh, So much of what we define as love is really just lust in disguise. It is physical attraction. It's motivated by the way the person makes you feel, or how they look, or how you look together, or the emotions that you experience, or, or what it looks like to have your first name and his last name, and what it looks like when you take that little app on your computer, you put your face in his, and it shows you these really <laughs> ugly kids, and you're like, really? <laughs> okay, well, yeah. But I, I got news for you. All those things are not love, that's lust. And the dating world of today is all about the emotional and physical form of love, right? In fact, think about this. Most of the relationships around you are defined by the physical involvement that a guy has with a girl. Is this not true? You define the level and the seriousness of the relationship by the level of physical involvement. Oh yeah? So what'd you do with her? That's the question, right? Alright, well, so how far are you gone? That's how you define how deep this thing is. That's not love. That's lust. Two people Who date each other, want to feel that they're special special to each other, and the way to concretely express that feeling is through physical intimacy. It's true. And this begins when you hold hands, when you put your arm around each other, when you lay down together, when you start kissing, and then everything else that follows. I'm in love is not a good reason to get into a relationship because really you're looking to satisfy the flesh. How about this one? Uh, There are no future consequences to the choices that I make today. Yeah, the future will take care of itself. Like, it's no big deal, right? The, the world tells you that it's your time to experiment and to learn, to figure out who you are and what you like, et cetera. And so you're encouraged to explore your feelings of sexuality and to engage in as many different experiences as you can. That's what's in today's culture. It's you're free to do whatever, right? No one can tell you what to do with your body. Um, you can have what you want, when you want, and there are no consequences for your actions. Wrong. The choices that you make today... And the habits that you establish now will most likely be with you for the rest of your life if the tree grows roots when it's uh, JC Ryle says when it's just a sapling a five-year-old kid can come down and just pull it out of the ground but you let that thing grow down and once it's full grown a hundred men can't pull it over right that's what a habit becomes in your life and there is a day coming when all people will have to answer for their actions so Solomon says at the end of his life in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, he says the wisest man on earth, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Listen to this. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is evil or good. So other consequences there are. And your, what you do in the darkness will be brought to the light. Okay, two more. I'm almost done. My, my boyfriend or my girlfriend belongs to me. Yeah, they're mine. Right? Oh yeah. And they're this is how we operate, right? Cause you want to make sure that they're off limits. That sometimes I talk to guys and they're like, well no, I can't get married for at least seven or eight years, because I gotta pass that level that I can't get to in the video game and then I'll think about getting a job and then I'll think about all those other things. But but I really like her. And so I'm gonna stick a flag in that and make sure everybody knows that she's like my special friend. That you're trying to protect and, and turf war, but you're not like the Bowerbird, because you're not even ready to get in that guy's face. You're just trying to put some kind of a fence around her, but you're not ready to do anything. Uh, And that's how we operate. We want some kind of ownership there, right? Um, Once you're in a relationship, that person's off the market. Other guys can't talk to you. Other girls must stay away from you because you're what? You're taken, right? You're taken. You could be taking one or taking two or taking three or taking four. It's just crazy. How do they do so many of those movies? But here's the bottom line. Until you put a ring on her finger, you don't own anybody. Okay? You don't own anybody. You have no right to treat a girl as if she's your property until she's your wife. And then you can treat her like she's your property. No, I'm kidding. That's not written well. Um, The other person (laughs) Listen to this They don't belong to you that other person even if you're in an exclusive romantic relationship Listen carefully does not belong to you. They are no more to you than a brother or sister in Christ That doesn't change until you walk down the aisle and make vows and promises before a holy God together then that person belongs to you, one wife, one life. Until that point, gentlemen, that girl that you like, that you've done things with that you probably shouldn't have, she is your sister in Christ. Ladies, that guy that you like, he is your brother in Christ. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.1 and 5.2, he says says to the younger men, he's saying to Timothy, have the younger men treat the younger women as sisters. And then he modifies it in all who knows what it is
1: purity. in
0: all purity you treat them as a sister in all purity let me ask you a question gentlemen you've got sisters would you go make out with your sister like that has got to be one of the foulest things I've ever even thought about right but if I walked in and some other guy was making out with my sister when I was in high school and it was inappropriate do you know what I would do we would throw down right there. And I'm not a strong fighting type of a guy. I'm pretty sure I'd get beaten up by pretty much anybody. But I would throw down, you know why? Because she's my sister and I'm gonna protect her. And that's what Paul calls us as young men to do with the women in our life, is to treat them like a sister in purity. And so if you're in there violating this sister in Christ, taking advantage of her for your own fleshly pleasures, there's a problem, there's a problem. She doesn't belong to you, she belongs to God today and to a husband down the road that is probably not you. And that's called defraud. When you take something that doesn't belong to you, we'll come back to this later, get ahead of myself. Next week, not now. (laughs) They're not yours until you put a ring on the finger and commit to them for life. Okay, last but not least. My boyfriend or girlfriend is the most important relationship in the world. Like this is it. Everything else just goes into black and white and the multicolor universe of what's going on there is great, (laughs) right? Um, it's a sad reality of most dating relationships. I hate this. Every other relationship goes by the wayside. You know what I'm talking about? You used to be really good friends with somebody, right? And then they just what? Disappear. They disappear. It's so true. You're like, what happened to them? Maybe there are zombies, right? They got body snatched <laughs> or something. Happened. They're just gone, right? Uh, you get in a relationship, you walk away from your friends almost unintentionally. You don't even realize you're doing it. You stop hanging out with the same people, you stop talking to your parents, you distance yourself from everybody else except for the one, right, except for the one. You get closer and closer to them, farther from everybody else, and it becomes more and more dangerous. And you may not bow down to a little gold statue, but you certainly are getting close to worshiping another person in that relationship, right? That, the Bible calls that idolatry. When that person takes the place of God, anything where God should be on his throne, you put something else there like the relationship and you're in your room with the door locked and the, the giant poster of his picture and you're burning incense listening to the love songs at <laughs> night, right? You got a little bit of a problem there. That's called worship. Check yourself. If all you talk about are about that person, or you finally constantly find yourself thinking about them, dreaming about them, fantasizing about them, you're willing even to compromise your morals and give away your purity for them, you spend more time with them than anyone else, add it up, here it is, it's called worship, and the Bible says that's idolatry. Careful, you've got to be careful. G, um, Paul says in Colossians 1.18, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, that he himself talking about Christ would have first place in everything. Yes, even in this romantic relationship. So, is that the most important relationship in the world? It's flat out, it's not. And if it is for you, you have overstated its value, and you're in danger already. All right, well, we got four more sessions. Like I said, tonight was just to break the ice, just to get you thinking about this. And I'm not going to be giving you at any point of this 10 steps to a perfect relationship or five ways to make him notice you. But guys, try the children's ministry thing. I think it'll work, okay? <laughs> let just, shh, shh don't, don't say that loud. Uh, but we're going to be looking at what God's word says about the person that you are to be and the person that you are to look for. And we'll go through all this. It's going to be great, all right? Here's the bottom line. If you're the right type of person and you're pursuing the right type of things, then God will bring the right type of people in your life at the right time. Mm-hmm. Okay? it'll happen it'll happen and we'll talk about that more next time we're together which will be on July the 5th that's a few Fridays from now July 5th we're gonna look at I think we're just gonna call it the smorgasbord of information but it's really we're gonna talk about wisdom in dating um, your convictions having a plan having some accountability, what the pace is that should be set, and just some of the nuts and bolts of what needs to happen for an active relationship to work. Okay? Now, as we close, I want to say one thing, and I'll pray and we'll be finished. If you are not a Christian, and you came tonight, maybe you've been in church all your life, maybe this is your first time through any kind of Bible study, I just want to tell you that the whole message of Christianity is very simply this we are not good enough to have a relationship with God because of our sin. We've fallen short of His perfect standard. We have violated His law, and therefore His wrath burns against us. And the story of Christianity is that God in His love took broken people like us and restored our our relationship with Him through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so if you're struggling with doubt or regret or pain or any kind of guilt in your life and the sin just weighs down on you, its freedom is offered through the work of Christ and what he did not the work that you do by trusting him in faith and turning from your sin you can have forgiveness and eternal life and that's what it means to be a christian if you want to know more about that please come talk to us after we're glad that you're here i'm so glad you all stayed nobody got up and left
1: <laughs> all
0: right let me pray and we're done Father, we are so thankful to uh, be able to gather and talk about a topic that's fun and yet, (laughs) Lord, so difficult and important even in our lives. And I pray that you would help us um, to come under your mighty hand for each person in this room. um, Lord, will you help them trust you? Will you help them believe what you've said in your word and take you at your word? that you would take away the anxiety and the worry and the doubt and the fear and you'd replace it with uh, security and joy and acceptance and hope in christ we want to find ourselves fully content in the lord jesus christ and so i just ask that you would help us in this most important area that you would bless this study that you would do great things through it and cause us to see um, ourselves and see members of the opposite sex in a a more biblical and right way. I do pray, Lord, that you would bring relationships out of this series and out of this ministry. I pray that even this summer, we'd see some fun things happen, and that we'd see people moving down a pathway towards marriage. We're so thankful that you've given us that amazing gift and pray that you would help us as we seek to honor you in all of these relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.